This is Catherine welcoming you to the 2229th edition of the Enfield Talking newspaper. Dateline 2nd of February 2023. The readers this week are Angela, Denise, Roz, Catherine, with John and Dem on the controls. The editors are Team A and the production and distribution team is also all of us at Team A. Our title music is Country Rock Polka, composed by Pat Prilly, Fernand Bouillon, Harry Brewer and performed by Jean-Jacques Perry and is used with his kind permission. The local news stories that we will be reading come from the Enfield Independent, Dispatch and local websites and are their copyright... The event's information has been collated by us from other sources. The lead story this week is anger as Enfield misses out on levelling up cash. Before the news, we have one or two special items and notices. Firstly, the sunrise and sunset times for the week beginning 6th of February are 7.31 sunrise in the morning, obviously, and 16.57, that's three minutes to 5pm um, in the evening. We have one special notice from you, and it's probably going to be a bit of a recurring special notice, um, but it's a good thing to read out to you weekly. And it's from the Enfield Home Library Service. Did you know that Enfield has a home library service? This means that if mobility, disability or caring responsibilities make it difficult for you to visit the library, then we can bring the library to you and there is no charge. The Home Library is run in conjunction with the Royal Voluntary Service, who vet and manage our volunteers. You tell us the sort of thing you like to read and we will select books for you and deliver them to your home once every four weeks. As well as ordinary print titles, we have audiobooks on CDs and large print titles. There are also a limited number available in different languages. Separately, the Enfield Home Library Service offers assistance with digital library content, so we can help you get to grips with borrowing e-books or audiobooks from the library to read or listen to on a plane, on a sorry, on a phone or tablet. For more information, or to see if you can sign up for this service, email enfield.hls at royalvoluntaryservice.org.uk That's enfield.hls at royalvoluntaryservice.org.uk Or you can alternatively call Shauna on 07826-511094. Do get in touch with us to share your own news and special announcements. We love to hear from you. If you have any comments about the Enfield Talking newspaper, please phone Diane de Jersey on 0208 she is your listener's representative and will be pleased to help you. Now, Angela will read the first item of local news. Enfield Borough has again been ignored in the latest round of levelling up funding announced by the government, prompting local leaders to slam the scheme. The Department for Leveling Up, Housing and Communities last month 
doled out 2.1 billion of money from its much-touted Leveling Up Fund after local authorities had been invited to bid for a portion of the cash. While neighbouring boroughs Haringey, Barnet and Waltham Forest all received something from the pot of money, including 20 million going towards a Tottenham community centre, Enfield Council received nothing after failing in both its bids. The council had requested 16.1 million to regenerate Angel Edmonton Town Centre, which would have been Boundary Hall Community Centre redeveloped, Florence Hayes Recreation Ground redesigned and new workspaces created. The Civic Centre had also hoped to win more money for its flagship environmental scheme, Enfield Chase Restoration Project, with £18 requested to help deliver a leading outdoor cultural destination by transforming an old farm building into a visitor centre and creating a wild swimming pond, plus other facilities throughout the new woodland. Across England, only half of the areas receiving cash from the government scheme were listed among the 100 most deprived areas of the country. One successful bid was for 45 million road improvement scheme in Kent. In London, just 7 out of 32 boroughs won bids to the levelling up fund. The capital was allocated 1.1 the, the sorry I'll say that again. The capital was allocated 151 million out of the total 2.1 billion representing the lowest amount per head of any UK region a fact that didn't stop many media outlets criticising Prime Minister Rishi Sunak for giving too much money to the capital. In Enfield, council leader Nessel Kaliskan reacted angrily to the government snub. She said, how can it be right that Edmonton, the 71st most deprived constituency in the country, misses out on a transformational £16 million plan? while Rishi Sunat's constituency, the 450th most deprived, gets 19 million. It's time communities weren't forced to go cap in hand for crumbs while our budgets are cut every year thanks to the government crashing the economy. These bidding bingo rounds are not a helpful approach. We need long-term sustainable funding and powers to help deliver to deprived areas to succeed. Thames Water has proposed to transfer water out of Teddington Lock and replace it with treated sewage water. The company has put forward this water recycling plan to cope with shortages because of the rising population and predicted droughts in the future. Thames Water wants to remove 150 million litres of water a day from the Thames above Teddington Lock in south-west London and transfer it by a pipeline to reservoirs in the Lee Valley in East London. A report on the Thames Water website reads, This scheme will help keep the River Thames flowing and can be introduced within eight years, helping us achieve resilience to a one to two hundred year drought event by 2031. There are other schemes that we could deliver within eight years, such as a water recycling scheme in Beckton, East London, but these are all more expensive. 
The river water will be replaced by treated wastewater from Mogden, one of the biggest sewage plants in the UK. But Thames Water explains that this water would be highly treated. Thames Water has also announced it has begun work on a £100 million upgrade of its Mogden sewage treatment works. The company says that putting the recycled water into the River Thames above the Teddington Weir will compensate the river for the additional abstracted water and protect the environment and wildlife. It first suggested the plan in 2019, but it was rejected by the Environment Agency because of its impact on the environment. In response to Thames Water's proposals, Liberal Democrat MP for Twickenham, Manira Wilson MP, said, These plans are deeply concerning. In the last two years, they've dumped raw sewage into our rivers over 33,000 times for over 370,000 hours. How can we trust them to protect the Thames now? There is currently a public consultation on Water Resources Management Plan 2024, which will run until March 21st, 2023. A Thames Water spokesman said, A significant driver in our draft WRMP is to improve the environment we are so heavily reliant on. We have proposed reducing abstraction from our vulnerable chalk streams and other watercourses in order to improve flows and the habitats for fish and other wildlife. We think this is the right thing to do. And now an article about the Royal Free Radio, um, another Enfield institution as it enters its 50 years of supporting the NHS. Royal Free Radio broadcasts to hospital patients across North London and is operated entirely by volunteers in their spare time. It was previously known as Radio Enfield and has been broadcasting from studios in Chase Farm Hospital since the 24th of May 1970. It expanded in 1972 to Highlands and South Lodge Hospitals in Winchmore Hill and in 1973 to North Middlesex Hospital. Patients at the Royal Free Hospital in Hampstead can also now listen in to the the rebranded Royal Free Radio following the Royal Free's acquisition of Chase Farm and Barnet Hospitals in 2014. We keep the patients entertained with our service of record requests, competitors and quizzes, interviews and other local charities and individuals, information, advice on hospital and health issues and a wide variety of music. The Sky News Centre produce an up-to-date bulletin every hour on the hour. We particularly try to appeal to patients who do not have visitors and of course the pandemic has restricted patient visiting generally. Initially, we broadcast just two hours a week to Chase Farm Hospital on a Sunday evening, replacing Radio 2 on the patient's headsets. There were few TVs in those days, so only com- the only competitor was Radio 4. Naturally, as we have been on the air. In the early days, we were still using turntables and tape decks, playing the occasional 78 RPM Shellec records, which gave them entirely way to 45 vinyls and LPs. Mini discs never really took off, but the vinyl records in our collection were gradually replaced by CDs, which in turn have been replaced by computerised systems that now are used today. 
We have occupied six different studio sites at Chase Farm since 1970 and broadcast to North Middlesex over 15 of those years. We are pleased that we have been able to continue broadcasting uninterrupted throughout the pandemic. Despite the restrictions imposed on hospital access, this is thanks to the presenters being able to broadcast from their home, courtesy of our volunteer electronic wizards in setting up the facility. And over the next few issues here, they'll be telling more about it. But you can find out all you need to know on www.royalfreeradio.co.uk. And now an article about a plea to save the last pub in Ponder's End. Edmonton MP Kate Ossamore has called for Enfield Council to designate the last pub in Ponder's End as an asset of community value, ACV after fresh plans were submitted to turn it into a restaurant. Campaigners are battling to save the goat in Ponders End High Street as freeholder Ponders End Properties claims its attempts to market the venue to pub operators has been unsuccessful. If the council approves the change of its use of application, it will leave the area without a single local boozer. The proposals come amid fears over the decline of pubs nationally, with a report by the Campaign for Real Ale, Camera, revealing long-term pub closures doubling to reach 485 during the first half of 2022. Designating the Goat Pub as an ACV would give the local community a right to bid to buy the property if they can raise the necessary cash. Kate said, The Goat has been part of the Ponders End community for hundreds of years. To see it closed now would be a preventable tragedy. We don't need this historic building to be turned into yet another restaurant. This short-termerism is toxic for our communities. Enfield Council needs to step up and save the goat by designating it as an asset of community value. Although the current building dates back to the 1930s, the earliest known reference to the goat was in 1778. Paul Ainsworth, Camera's National Planning Policy Advisor, said, There is no doubt that pubs are currently facing a perfect storm of rising prices, particularly for energy, reduced customer spending power and staffing shortages. Sadly, we can expect many pub businesses to go under in the coming months as a result of these pressures. We are now starting to see opportunistic planning applications to change the use of pubs. Applicants argue that the pubs concerned are no longer viable because of the difficulties facing the trade. The message that Camera is trying to get across to the planners is that these problems are real as they are. They will largely go away as better economic times inevitably return. And when that happens, we must ensure that pub buildings haven't been lost and that new operators can take advantage of something that will never be permanently lost. The British public's love of the British pub. Pubs are protected by several local and national planning policies. The London Plan states that the loss of public houses with heritage, cultural, economic or social value should be refused unless authoritative marketing evidence shows that there is no realistic prospect of the building being used as a pub in the foreseeable future. A similar policy is included in Enfield's draft local plan 
yet to be adopted. Ponders End Properties bought the goat from brewer Green King in 2018. And in November 2020, it was instruct, it instructed re, real estate agency AG&G to market the property. Now, according to a report submitted by AG&G as part of the plans, no offers were received and no interest was expressed. But Philip Ridley from the Enfield and Barnet branch of Camera sent a detailed objection to the council claiming the change of use would fail to comply with local and national policies. He alleges that there is no real evidence that the current pub lease is unviable. One regular to the GOAT, Darren Allett, told Dispatch, it, was where, it, is, it is where we socialise. It is a family-friendly pub. Really, people come here with their problems and talk. I think if it, wasn't, if it wasn't here, a lot of people would suffer with their mental health. So both Ponders End Properties and Enfield Council were approached for comment. And now an item about the fastest police officer in Britain. Meet Britain's fastest cop, who is so speedy that he's never failed to catch a fleeing suspect and who recently outpaced a van to make a bust. No one has outrun PC Luke Watson in his six years as an officer, giving him a 100% success rate for foot chases. His proud bosses have now released body cam footage showing him chase down a van in Waltham Abbey, Essex, after it became too risky to follow between rows of cars. In the footage, he's seen smashing the driver's window open with a baton before it drives off. The Essex cop yells, stop the car, as he sprints after the vehicle before apprehending the driver and passenger after the van crashes into another vehicle. The van was linked to a series of thefts and was full of stolen goods. PC Watson said, the way it was driving was so dangerous, we couldn't go after it, so I got out and ran. In hindsight, I was so close between the moving cars, but I thought I just had to stop it. The female passenger was holding a Stanley knife but was quickly overpowered by Watson. The pair were later found guilty of theft, possession of a bladed article and a Class A drug. In another incident, Watson single-handedly chased down three young men in one race. When Watson's police car was spotted after arriving at the industrial site, the three suspects tried to run. Watson said, I ran up the bonnet of the car, jumped over the fence and arrested one of them. I put him in handcuffs and I can see the other two in the distance. I know it's just a straight road up to another industrial estate, so I thought, I'll go for it. How far could they get? I jumped a couple of fences and catch up with the first one and arrest him. The other one tries to lay low in the back of the car. So I drag him out and then I've got the two of them, excuse me, I've got the two of them like naughty school kids. I've got no handcuffs and I have to get more units down to deal with them and go and find the car. He arrested them at the site of a stolen BMW where multiple other car parts were also found. When he's not getting... Enough exercise at work, Watson plays for Brentwood Rugby Club Essex as a winger to keep fit. But he says his first love is his work. I really enjoy my job. We've got a... Oh, no. Sorry, I've lost the end of the article there. It's missing. I apologise for that. 
School pupils get a touch of World Cup glory. World Cup winner Christian Romero surprised children at Suffolk's primary school in Enfield Highway when he dropped by last month, along with his winner's medal. The Tottenham Hotspur defender featured in all seven of Argentina's matches in Qatar as he helped his nation lift the biggest prize in world football with the dramatic penalty shootout, eventually seeing them over the line with the thrilling final against the defending champions, France. In January, Romero visited Suffolk to share a piece of the team's glory and even took part in a football session delivered by Tottenham Hotspur Foundation. Taking time to give students some football tips, sign autographs and take photos. His visit forms part of the wider work the club and its charitable foundation is doing to create life-changing opportunities and experiences for young people. Speaking at the event, Romero said, It was great to come to Suffolk's primary school and have the chance to meet the students and share my winner's medal with them. It's important to give back to our community and hopefully I've inspired the children and given them a day to remember. James Wheeler, deputy head teacher at the school, said it's been brilliant having... According to Enfield's person said, we appreciate... And here's an item now about travellers' move from school. Travellers who allegedly caused traffic disruption after setting up a camp by a school have been moved on. Around six caravans and other cars were seen parked up in Furs Lane, opposite Furs Farm Wetlands and near an entrance for Winchmore School. They were first spotted on Monday, January 23rd, and some residents in the area alerted police of their concerns about the illegal encampment. According to one eyewitness, the traveller camp meant the school gates in Furs Farm were closed on Tuesday, January 24th, which contributed to traffic in the area as parents were forced to drop off their kids through the Laburnum Grove entrance. According to Enfield Council, the camp has since been cleared. An Enfield Council spokesperson said, We appreciate residents' concerns regarding illegal encampments. Enfield Council and its partners responded accordingly to the travellers who had illegally occupied the site in question. We promptly arranged for the site to be cleared and re-secured and we thank residents, the local school and businesses for their patience. Loving La Vida Loca, Neil Lipman continues his tour of the borough's best restaurants with a trip to the newly opened La Vida Café and Bistro in Enfield Town. Welcome to my first eating out review of the year, after a bout of flu in December, which prevented me going anywhere for nearly three weeks in the run-up to the festive season. Since returning to health, I've travelled into London a few times between the rail strikes and had some interesting meals, including a greasy spoon cafe in Soho that is probably one of the last of its kind, and a Malaysian street food restaurant in Euston. What they had in common was a good value for money, which is what we're all looking for at the moment and is something I want to focus on. The problem venues with rising costs face excuse me, the problems venues face with rising costs is whether to raise prices or to serve smaller portions and risk losing customers. One local pub I visited recently seems to have done both, serving a meal that disappeared in three mouthfuls and charging me fifteen fifty for it. More positively, 
At the end of last year, the BBC published the results of a survey of London boroughs reporting how businesses had been affected by the cost of living crisis. And the result for Enfield was a 4% increase in the number of restaurants. It may have included coffee shops as well. One local restaurant that has opened recently is La Vida Café and Bistro in the centre of Enfield Town, at the location previously occupied by the Art Town. It fills an important gap as an all-day bistro, offering an excellent breakfast menu as well as lunch and dinner. In early January, myself and a companion visited La Vida on a rainy afternoon, and when we had a great view from our table of Enfield Town's glittering Christmas tree, despite it being after the twelfth night, arriving to find we were the only diners in the whole venue, I felt a bit foolish for reserving a table. The restaurant is surprisingly large with a nice interior and an interesting choice of rock-orientated background music that wasn't overly loud. Whatever La Vida lacked in atmosphere from its empty tables, it more than made up with with its customer service. We ordered two gin and tonics and started to share salt and pepper squid and spinach and feta phyllo parcels. While the squid was a disappointment, it tasted like scampi, the main courses were a vast improvement in terms of both taste and portion size. We had lamb kofta with bean salad and harissa hummus, goodness, I'm getting hungry, and salmon fillets with mashed potato and sautéed samphire and asparagus. We didn't realise La Vida closed early on a Sunday, so we had no time for dessert, but our bill still came to £61 plus service. Not the cheapest in Enfield Town, but enjoyable nonetheless. Now, listeners, if you wish to pay a visit, La Vida Cafe and Bistro can be found at 29 to 30, the town, Enfield, EN26LU. And now an article about getting ready for summer. Yes. With warmer days on the horizon, the beautiful colours of your garden are best enjoyed alongside a lush green lawn. As the centrepiece of your garden, green thumb will ensure your lawn reaches its full potential as a weed-free, healthy and well-loved lawn. Our summer-ready treatment features a fully coated fertiliser designed to give your lawn a timed release of nutrition over several months, feeding your grass and stimulating growth. This sophisticated treatment also includes a weed control, keeping your lawn looking as at its best and ready for summer. An added benefit to our summer-ready treatment is that you'll also receive an application of Oasis. Now is the perfect time for Oasis as it helps your soil to make the best use of any available moisture, meaning you'll need to water it up to 80% less. This popular treatment now features an innovative seaweed extract, which has proven to have an almost immediate effect on the colour of your, of your lawn. At this time of year, we also recommend a regular mowing regime. Dry sunny days are the best conditions for mowing. However, it is important that, you, that your mower blades are kept sharp to avoid causing damage to your grass. It is also important that your grass isn't cut too short as this will weaken it, attracting unwanted weeds. Mm, that's where I've been going wrong. When dry, we advise raising the height of your cut from one inch to two and to give it a good drink in the day before mowing and after mowing. 
Let's create a lawn we both love. Now, this article is from Green Thumb. And if you're interested in contacting your local Green Thumb branch today or tomorrow, call on 01707-658856. I'll say that again. 01707 658856. I have a, an article here, Final Gang Member Jailed for Car Thefts, written by Ben Lynch. The final member of a gang responsible for a string of terrifying car robberies worth an estimated total of more than £1 million has been jailed. Dante Noble, 19, of Crofts Lane in Wood Green, was jailed for three years and six months at Wood Green Crown Court on January the 27th for his involvement in the robberies between April and August 2021. A Met Police investigation into the incidents, which all took place around Bounds Green, Palmer's Green and Green Lanes, identified the group as behind roughly 30 car robberies, with police estimating the total value of the vehicles as in excess of £1 million. Luxury cars were intentionally identified, with the group surrounding them with their vehicles before threatening the drivers with violence, often at knife point, if they did not comply. Minor injuries were sustained by the victims. The vehicles were then taken to breakers' yards throughout London before being shipped abroad and sold. Two other members of the gang were previously jailed. Ramzak Ngatika, 19, of Limington Avenue, Wood Green, received five years, and Melvin Kamara, 18, of Seacole Close, Acton, was jailed for three years at Wood Green Crown Court on January the 12th, 2023. A fourth male, then aged 17, received a youth rehabilitation order after pleading guilty to one count of robbery and possession of an offensive weapon in August 2021. Acting Detective Sergeant Darrell Belsey of the Met's North Area Robbery Team said this group were responsible for a series of terrifying robberies committed over a six-month period across North London. Following a fast-paced and diligent investigation, the suspects were identified and arrested before any offences could be committed. Since the group were arrested and taken off the streets, there was an 80% reduction in vehicle robberies on the boroughs where they operated. PC Tim Foster from the North Area Robbery Team has been integral to the successful outcome of this investigation. It is meticulous police work like this which helps keep the public safe and put the perpetrators of criminal activity behind bars. Enfield's biggest cancer walk is back with the Nightingale Cancer Support Centre. It's been three years since the last night hike and here at the Nightingale Cancer Centre Centre... And here's... Enfield's biggest cancer walk is back with the Nightingale Cancer Support Centre. It's been three years since our last night hike and here at the Nightingale Cancer Support Centre we couldn't be more excited. 
Not only is the night hike returning, but it's also our 20th anniversary, so we plan on making this year's event bigger than ever. On Friday the 20th of May, hundreds of people will be walking our 10k or 15k night hike route around our beautiful borough, you guessed it, at night. It's the event of the year and they meet outside the Enfield Civic Centre, Silver Street, Enfield for a welcome reception to get the party started where you can pick up your goodie bag worth £20, including a T-shirt and enjoy our fun warm-up to get you ready for the walk. It's a great way to spend the evening with friends. Those money for your, raising money for your local cancer centre and help us celebrate our 20th year. If you don't know who we are, the Nightingale Cancer Centre is a local independent charity supporting the people of Enfield and surrounding areas affected by cancer. This means cancer patients, but also their families, friends and colleagues. Anyone who has had cancer impact their lives. We provide free physical and emotional support to help people cope and come to terms with their new lives after a cancer diagnosis. One in two people will be diagnosed with cancer in their lifetime, which means if not already, we will all be touched by cancer. It's a staggering statistic, and we want to make sure we are there for everyone, providing vital and free support. That's why we hold the night hike every year, to ask our community to help us so that we can help others. You can walk our night hike at your own pace, dress how you like, though we suggest dress to party, we who you like with children over 12, and well-behaved dogs can even come on their leads. You can walk in memory of someone you love, for someone who has cancer, or to support all those who touch cancer. Now, if you do wish to sign up to this walk, listeners, the night walk hike, because you, you can run from cancer, but together, they can walk together. Nightingale support dot org dot uk that's nightingale support dot org dot uk and now an article from award-winning chef mariana levititaki explaining why she loves working at shared manufacturing workspace blocks i remember the day i first met the founders of block years ago they were wholeheartedly devoted to their mission to create an open access workspace they wanted something that I thought was fascinating and exciting, as well as inclusive and thoughtful. They had a vision, and they were doing everything to achieve it. Going forward about 10 years, they approached me to help them set up their cafe in their incredible new space. They found me at a point where I had decided to step away from the life of head chef at the busy Morita restaurant in Hackney. I had recently become a mama and I had published my first cookbook and was looking for new adventures. I took Blocks up on their offer and joined one of the most amazing teams I've ever worked with. My passion and love for good food is what guides every project I embark on, and even though this was far from running a busy restaurant kitchen, my core values and goals are the same. My background in Greek and Eastern Mediterranean food inspires me to create dishes in a space that feels homely, fun and approachable. A bit more than a year since opening, Block's Kitchen has developed and become a space open to all, 
We are a team of five and everyone has something great and refreshing to bring to the table. Our days are busy, creative and full of good encounters. We start each day baking homemade bread while making an enormous amount of tin coffee to fuel productivity. Our mission is to offer food that is delicious, made using fresh ingredients, season-focused and is sold at affordable prices. Our suppliers are small businesses with good products and ethically sound practices. We want to make sure that everyone using blocks as their workspace has access to food that is nutritious, evocative, while the passers-by that come through our doors leave with a satisfied smile. People are at the centre of Block's Kitchen. We love meeting all of the makers. We love greeting the cyclists that come to recharge. We love the families that come with their kids for a lunch. And we love our regulars that come from further away for a friendly chat. There's banter and gossip. There's moaning and laughing. There's a lot of brainstorming. All things we need to make Block's Kitchen feel like a family. We are open every Thursday evening for food and some fun, be it board games, karaoke or quiz nights. We host workshop groups, we host special gatherings, pop-ups, talks, music events, exhibitions, even weddings. We would love to become a destination for locals and would love to hear your ideas. We are open to try new things and want to continue growing into something really inspirational. So readers, if you want more information, please visit buildingblocks.com. Now I will emphasize that building blocks is spelt building blocks is spelt B-L-O-Q-S.com. Thank you. Well, as you know, Valentine's Day is fast approaching. So why not show your loved one how much they mean to you with a special Valentine's message in your local independent newspaper? Your notice will appear week ending the 10th of February. So to place your announcement, just call 01206 506 000. Or you can email your wording and contact details to se-sales at localik.co.uk And it's £5 for 12 words. And an example here says, Happy Valentine's Day, John Smith. Love you to the moon and back. Love from Poppet. So why not give your loved one a special treat this Valentine's Day? The beautiful London Underground Station on the edge of the city that's regularly named Tube Superfan's Favourite. London's prettiest tube station could be a subject of debate for ages with numerous spots praised and admired for their special design or uniqueness. The tube draws in superfans who appear to have an encyclopedic knowledge of the world's oldest metro and also very strong opinions about which station is their favourite. There is one London Underground station that seems to get praise from all sides, from normal commuters to superfans, and has even gained fans in architectural critic cycles. It is not the most central station in London or the most popular, 
only having 1.96 million people entering and exiting in 2021. But Arnest Grove in North London is often cited as the city's prettiest station. Opening in 1932, it has a distinctly modernist style which has seen it win over critics and fans alike. On the blog TubeWalk, Arnest Grove is mentioned as one of the Tube superfans' favourite stations and labelled a beautiful site. The Telegraph also included it in its list of London's most beautiful stations, writing, It has long been admired for architecture. Critics opened it in 1932, and the key reason people love the station so much is that unlike other practical stations, the central concourse is spacious and interestingly designed. It was commissioned by Frank Pick and designed by Charles Holden as part of the extension of the Piccadilly line to Cockfosters. Holden was inspired by the Stockholm City Library that opened four years before in Sweden. And when comparing the design of both, the similarities became obvious with the station's drum-like ceiling, a fairly honest replication of the library's. Holden's use of brick, glass and reinforced concrete to form basic geometric shapes makes the station fit very much with the modern European style. Behind some commentary, the building has also been recognised for its cultural significance, becoming a Grade 2 listed building in July 2011. Due to its location, Arnescoes and one that many Londoners may never see in the flesh. But this in some ways makes that station that much more special because unless you are in Enfield or have a reason to go, Arnest Grove is a relatively obscure station. However, if you were desperate to visit, you could take the 30-minute trip along the Piccadilly line from King's Cross and go and see it. Of course, like many discussions around the Tube, the question of which station is the prettiest is not a settled one. Charles Holden has been credited with creating many of the Tube's other more uniquely designed and admired stations, including Southgate, which fans say looks like a flying saucer. The work of architect Leslie Green is also widely praised for creating the recognisable red exterior to many Tube stations and is credited with developing a British Art Nouveau style that characterises stops like Russell Square and Covent Garden and many alike. And now an article written by Crystal Rolfe, Director of Health at the Royal National Institute for Deaf People, about tinnitus support. This week is Tinnitus Week, February the 6th to the 12th, 2023, and latest research suggests that one in seven adults has tinnitus. Everyone's tinnitus is different, but it is usually described as a ringing, hissing, buzzing, roaring or humming sound. There may be one or two sounds and the noise may be there all the time or come and go. The causes of tinnitus can be linked to different things including hearing loss, exposure to loud noise, certain medications, ear or head injuries, some ear conditions and emotional stress. Sometimes there is no recognisable link at all. Many people get tinnitus for a short time, for example, after being exposed to loud music or when they have congestion because of a cold. But for some people, it doesn't go away and it can have a significant impact on their daily life. The good news is, 
RNID is here to help. Our free tinnitus guide contains information on ways to manage tinnitus, from professional support to self-help options. It also includes information on useful apps and technology on how to support a loved one with tinnitus and what to do if tinnitus is affecting your sleep. RNID is committed to funding research to silence tinnitus and our guide contains the latest information on our work to identify the causes of tinnitus and develop strategies to treat it. You can find out about this and more by downloading our free tinnitus guide at rnid.org.uk forward slash tinnitus. And now we have some sports news. Enfield Town boss Andy Lees admitted he couldn't be more delighted after seeing his side take over the top of the Isthmian League Premier Division table on Saturday. Town moved into pole position on goal difference after beating Carsholton Athletic 4-1 as long-time leaders Hornchurch suffered defeat at the hands of Avely. And Lees told the club website, following on from the Billericay game, Carl Shelton made us work extremely hard for this win and I thought it was another complete all-round performance like we had on Tuesday. Defensively, we look better than we did last season and the goals are being spread around the team. I couldn't be more delighted. A big shout-out to our supporters who were again top class. Barely a minute had been played when man of the match Marcus Wiley's dipping cross from the right was headed in by Andre Coker, who had scored inside a minute at Bowers and Pitsy two weeks earlier. But town old boy Curtis Cumberbatch forced Nathan MacDonald into a fine save on his 302nd appearance for the club as the Robins rallied. Adam Cunningham headed wide from another Wiley cross but Town doubled their advantage on 26 minutes when Coker produced a great cross for Lewis Knight to head home. The visitors made a determined start to the second half and halved the deficit when Tommy Bradford was quickest to react and convert a loose ball which had rebounded off a post. And Town found themselves under pressure for the next 15 minutes or so as the Surrey club were denied by a number of blocks and deflections. Jake Cass was introduced from the substitutes bench on 68 minutes though and helped trigger a response from Town, squeezing the ball home from a Joe Payne throw-in to make it 3-1 eight minutes later. Fellow substitutes Lewis Taff and Lyle Della Verde both fired over as the game became stretched, but Town added a fourth in stoppage time when Sam Young set up Cass to beat Arthur Lee and Bradley Williams before firing low into the far corner of the net. After a fifth win in six outings, Town are set to visit Billericay Town on Saturday for their second meeting in just 11 days, after Payne and Taff struck in their 2-0 home win over the Blues last Tuesday. Town are then due to visit Northwood in the delayed Middlesex Senior Cup tie on Tuesday, February the 7th at 7.45pm. And town players are McDonald, Spencer, Knight, Richmond, Payne, Youngs, Isaac, Thomas, Wiley, Della Verde at 81, Coker, 
Cass 68, Cunningham and Taff 75. We have reached the end of our programme for this week. Thank you for listening. So, from the team of Catherine, Angela, Denise, Roz, and Dem and John on the controls, it's... Bye! Bye! Please remember to turn over the address label in your postal packet, put the memory stick into the, po- into the packet in a closed position, and return it to us as soon as possible, in readiness for the next edition. Don't forget, you can call Diane de Jersey regarding any help you may require in connection with the Enfield Talking newspaper. Now, she has a new and dedicated mobile phone um, number, so please forget the one that I read you at the beginning of this recording, and this is going to be the new dedicated ETN number hotline to Diane de Jersey, and it is 07899854. Five eight two, and once again, that's o seven eight nine nine eight five four five eight two. The Enfield Talking Newspaper will be with you again in one week's time. <laughs>